higher. We reject the ideology of globalism, and we embrace the doctrine of patriotism. Not only will this tax plan pay for itself, but it will pay down debt. There are moral and legal obligation questions that I think we'll have to wrestle with as a society. When we as people go wobbly on the truth, we go wobbly on America. All you have to do is look at the numbers, look at what we've done. And this is only the beginning. What's up, Rochester? It's Saturday, March 27th, 2021. You're listening to Evidence of Design. I'm 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. I'm your host, Jason Taylor, and we're joined in WXIR studios by my good friends and co-hosts, Matt Treadwell and Mary Lawrence. Good morning. We're a live show. Saturday, March 27th. That means you can participate. Giving us a call, 585 219 8889. What might we participate with? Well, on today's show, we are talking about the recently released report by the Commission on Racial and Structural Equity, otherwise known as the Race Commission here in Rochester. That's R A S E. It was formed last summer after the killing of George Floyd. It's a city and county joint partnership, joint commission, whose goal is to study the Uh, origins, the effects, and how to solve structural racism here in Monroe County. They just released their report. It's uh, around 300 pages this week, and so we're going to cover some of what's in that report and what might be done here in Monroe County to change local laws and policies to fight structural racism. Yeah, we read all of it. All 300 pages. All of it last night. All last night. I didn't get sleep. Um, I don't sleep anyway, so I don't know, you know, you know anything better to do. doesn't matter what I do, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whether it's reading a report or just staring at the ceiling, you know, uh, but it's all good. You know, 300 pages, it's good stuff and we will cover what's in it. We'll specifically cover the job creation and business development section. Why are we covering those sections? Because if you're new to evidence of design, we focus on economic inequality. We investigate the causes and critique the effects of income and wealth inequality in the United States. We believe there is way too much economic inequality in the United States. The wealthiest individuals control way too much income, wealth, and also power. And we want to see that power, income, and wealth more equitably distributed among the entire population. We believe we are very economically unequal in this country because of policies and practices both near and both far, that have contributed to a hierarchical society where the wealthy control access to and means of accumulating capital and power. Near, far, and far, wherever you are. <laughs> Is that the Titanic song? Yeah. <laughs> so that's why we're focusing on the job creation and workforce development sections because in evidence of design, we focus on economic inequality. Again, live show, give us a call, 585-219-8889, or stay in touch with us on our uh, social media handles at Radio EOD. You can also email us, radioeod at gmail.com. And you can also comment. Sorry, you can also comment on our Facebook live stream, which just started on our Evidence of Design handle. Which is Radio EOD on Facebook. You can see the beautiful mugs of me Mary and Matt. Yeah. Tune in to watch my half-naked face talk. (laughs) So let's get into it, folks. The Rays Commission just released their report this week. It's made up of a a, a lot of different folks. It's chaired by former Mayor Bill Johnson of Rochester, Dr. Muhammad Shafiq from Nazareth College, and also, oh, I am dropping the ball here, someone else from ESL Federal Credit Union, 
and my internet oh there we go um uh, miss arlene santiago who i believe is a, a lawyer or something at esl federal credit union should have done i'm sorry arlene don't mean to throw you in the bus there that's the worst introduction ever but um so th- th- that's the co-chair three different folks here in rochester and there's a lot of other commission members local leaders even some city council members and lots of different working groups so working groups they focused on business development criminal justice education healthcare, housing human social services job creation mental health addiction services policing and more we're just really going to be focusing on the job creation and business development sections of this report. You can read the report for yourself at rockrace.com. That's R-O-C-R-A-S-E dot com. The report, again, the goal of which is to identify changes and evaluate local laws and policies that could fight structural racism. Structural racism manifests in society in many different ways, of course. The report specifically cites four ways that structural racism can manifest. For instance, uh, within oneself, so intrapersonal, interpersonal, between people, uh, in institutions, so like hiring practices, and also structural racism. So the whole smorgasbord, the whole ecosystem of how our society operates is more, uh, is more along the lines of structural racism, and the support focused on structural racism, changing policies, practices, culture, institutions to address disparate outcomes between different races of people. That's what this report was focusing on. We overall believe, to get to the punchline, we overall believe that what's cited in the report is pretty helpful stuff in regards to, you know, uh, promoting job creation and, and workforce development. But although it's sort of helpful in a, in a nice way, it's, we believe it doesn't go far enough. It's not assertive enough. For example, the proposals that the report cites to improve job creation in Rochester are as follows. Number one, improve access to civil service jobs to black and indigenous people of color so civil service system is antiquated the authors of the report argue civil service of course meaning jobs in the in the public sector like working for the city or the county of which you have to go online apply for take often a civil service exam for and if you score high enough, then you can be up for an interview for the job. And if you get the job, civil service jobs tend to be pretty good in regards to pay and benefits and uh, union representation and so on and so forth. So civil service jobs tend to be pretty good jobs, and they tend to be regarding the, the, the public sector with government. And the authors of the support argue that the civil service system could be made more uh, accessible to people of color in several different ways that we'll cover. The, their their uh, argument number two for promoting job creation in Rochester and Monroe County would be to support the creation of minority and women business enterprises, so minority-owned or women-owned businesses. They argue that in Monroe County, uh, unlike some other states across, or unlike some other cities across the state, that we don't have enough uh, infrastructure and policies and programs in place to support the creation of minority-owned businesses. Number three, and also kind of number four, they're lumped together sometimes or pulled apart some other times, is to increase job accessibility and improve job equity by reducing rules, regulations, and barriers to employment, and also to improve equity in employment, such as with wages and promotion opportunities. So they argue that there are too many barriers to employment for people of color, as again, a product of structural racism, such as transportation, childcare, education, minimum job requirements. And also, even if a person of color lands the job, often they're at a disadvantage from their white counterparts because of structural racism in regards to uh, wage disparities and promotion opportunities. So they uh, argue that those should be addressed. So overall, to create jobs in rural county and fight structural racism, The report recommends increasing access to civil service jobs to promote the creation of minority and women-owned businesses and to increase access to and equity in job opportunities for people of color. Again, those are all pretty good things. We, of course, don't disagree with them. How 
However, there was a few authors to the report here of the Race Commission's report that did dissent from its publication. Again, my page is not loading as fast as I would like. And so we are stuck in an awkward pause where I am at a loss for words. So is Daniel Ponder and someone else, this is why I'm very sad because the internet, which is made up of a system of tubes, does not always work in the way that it should. <laughs> um, so there were two authors to the report. Sorry, I'm really doing a disservice to some of the authors here. Two authors the, of the report that dissented to its uh, findings and publication because they, author, th- because they argued that the findings do not go far enough. For instance, Daniel Ponder and the other individual argued that we should do more to address the historic wealth disparities between people of color and white people by having things such as universal basic income and reparations. So actually having uh, direct payments to people of color to address centuries of lack of access to wealth accumulation. We also tend to agree with that. We think that there's more that could be more assertive to help address centuries of structural racism in this country. Why do we think that? Because, well, let's look at some of the statistics here from this report. Again, you're listening to Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. Let's go over some of the statistics. So the poverty rate in Rochester half of black children excuse me in Monroe County we're going to so I'm going to cite some statistics here buckle up we're going to go back and forth between the city of Rochester and Monroe County so I'll try to you know differentiate the two so half of black children in Monroe County live in poverty compared to just 12% of white children now i would say 12% of white children living in poverty is also a lot <laughs> i would argue that half of black children living in poverty is an egregious amount right so half of black children live in poverty in Monroe County. That is just, that's, that's a horrible figure. Absolutely horrible. And it's five times that of the number of white children who live in poverty, which is still too much, one out of every 10, right? So poverty, there's a lot of poverty in Monroe County. There's especially a lot of poverty for black families, black children. Let's talk about income, because that is directly related to poverty. According to the report, The median household income of black or African-American families and Hispanic or Latino families in Monroe County is less than half of that of white families. So five times the rate of poverty for children, half the amount of household income for people of color families compared to white families. The median household income in Monroe County declined by 15% over the past 20 years, declined by nearly 20% over the past 20 years. So Monroe County, 15%, City of Rochester, 20%. And I believe um, in the, I looked this up recently, and in the median income in the City of Rochester is somewhere around $36,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And in Monroe County, it's closer to $60,000, just for comparison. Right. So, you know, city median household income, almost half of what it is in the county. And overall, over the past 20 years, median household income has declined for both the city and the county. That's insane. Let's take a moment to recognize that, that, you know, we think in the United States of America that over time, everyone's incomes increase so that our children's futures are going to be better than our futures or, you know, our lived experiences. Over the past 20 years, median household income has declined. And I mean, doesn't that mean if you're, for example, if you make $36,000 in the year 2000 and you're making $36,000 in the year 2021, that is a decline because of inflation. Correct. So it's not necessarily that the number amount goes down. So you may not see it in yeah. the same way. Yeah. And infl- what is, you know, we've covered this before and I, I forget the statistic, but inflation's increased by like maybe 50% over the past 20 years. So if you were making $20,000 in the year 2000, you should be making $30,000 in the year 2020. And so if your income stays the same, then you have lost over time because of inflation. Inflation is, you know, overall a so-called natural process to our economic lives. 
It's all natural. It's all, it's all naturally occurring in the environment. Right. It's just like <laughs> you can just fight. Look out the window. In beavers. <laughs> There's inflation. No, right I mean there. it just basically affects the <laughs> amount of buying power you have. So if you had a certain amount of buying power in 2000, and you're making the same amount of money now, then your amount of buying power has gone way down. Right. Because the price for goods and services has, in general, gone up. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, I, I can't, I can't, when I first saw the statistic, not even just in this report, but elsewhere, cited in Act Rochester, among other places, I couldn't believe it that the, that the median household income in Monroe County and Rochester has declined over the past 20 years. I mean, that, that's an issue, you know? <laughs> that's a huge issue where people are making less today than they were 20 years ago. Uh, so, you know, the statistics continue in that the black child poverty rate, five times that of white child poverty rate, median household income has declined over the past 20 years, where the median household income of people of color is less than half that of white families in Monroe County, where black and African-American families in Monroe County earn just three quarters of what they do nationwide and just 65% of what they do across New York State. So we in Monroe County are particularly behind others in New York State and also nationwide in terms of what people of color earn. Specifically for city residents, city residents earn just about half of what they do, uh, half of what others earn across New York State. So city incomes tend to be lower. So all of those stats are citing, whoa, whoa, we got some problems in terms of poverty and income in Rochester, Monroe County, right? Those are some serious problems. Let's talk about employment, which also is related to income and poverty, of course, where black unemployment tends to be three times the rate of white unemployment in the county and also almost four times the unemployment rate um, in the city. So blacks and other people of color are more likely to be unemployed than white people and Over the last 20 years, there's only been a 4% increase in jobs in Monroe County compared to around a 20% increase across the state and the U.S. So job creation in Monroe County has lagged behind job creation elsewhere. Last statistic we'll cite is home ownership rate, where the home ownership rate for whites in Monroe County is 71%, and it's less than half of that for black and Latinx residents. And I think I also recently looked up the number of homeowners, and I think this was, I'm quoting a statistic I looked up a little while ago, so I don't know if it's exactly correct, but I think around 60% of residents in the city of Rochester own their homes. Right. Yeah, we have a big zombie home problem in Rochester and a renter problem in Rochester. And so after going through all of those statistics, I know statistics aren't the best format for radio, and we've covered statistics time and time again over the past 136 episodes of this show. It's really important to look at the facts and figures. And going through all of those, it's, it's pretty scary to look at what some of the economic indicators are and the material lived realities of people in this community. And so our question is, given all of those facts, right, the rampant rate of childhood poverty among people of color, the, um, you know, the fractions of the incomes of people of color compared to white counterparts, the relative lag in job creation in Monroe County, and indeed the decline in household income in Monroe County compared to where we were 20 years ago. Given all of those facts and figures, when we look at the proposals in the job creation section of this raise report to increase access to civil service jobs for people of color, to promote the creation of minority and women-owned businesses, and to encourage (laughs) access and equity to jobs for people of color, we don't understand how those proposals will solve some of these really challenging figures. I would also like to really briefly correct my, the comment I just said, it's actually the opposite. Under 40% of city residents own their homes. Got it. So even less people home, (laughs) even less people own homes in uh, in the city of Rochester. And so we're we're just wondering, like we're genuinely wondering, right? It's it's not like we have all the answers on on evidence of design. We're genuine. Well, yeah, Matt always does. Um, He's our Texas reporter and also fills in the seat for anything else we need. Um, 
we're genuinely wondering like how how as a report do you cite all of those facts and figures and then propose you know economic self you know economic increases by like improving access to civil service jobs how many civil service jobs are out there every year i don't know uh you know tens tens of civil service jobs uh there's a lot more than tens of people of color in the city of rochester monroe county so you know we're, we're sort of being um we're sort of being aggressive here, but I, I guess I would go towards what Daniel Ponder and I should have been finding the other, the other individual who authored their dissent. We're sort of going to what they were saying, which is like, uh, we need to do more to address the wealth disparities here. Otherwise, these are sort of superficial technical changes that don't actually fix the structural issues that this report set out to do, this commission set out to do, to fix structural racism. Now, to be fair, solving structural racism in the United States and Monroe County, specifically, is not easy. Right? It's borne out by centuries of policies and practices in an exploitative capitalist system controlled by ruling classes that tend to be white people. Uh, I, I'm not suggesting that the mayor of the city of Rochester and the county executive of Monroe County can snap their fingers and erase the uh, centuries of disparities that we see economically, socially, and politically. I am suggesting, however, that our government can play a stronger role in our lives by providing better social services and things such and 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 income as a human right such as universal basic income that is what i am suggesting and that if we sort of politely ask the business community to raise its wages or to be nicer to people of color or to diversify yeah, nice. its board <laughs> You know, like the idea that um, racism will be solved by manners when we look up the pictures of all the employees of a company, if at least 10% of them are people of color, because, you know, statistically, there's one of every every 10 people are are black or African American in in the United States, then like racism is solved, I think is um, misguided, right? That's not actually what's going on. And so sort of asking nicely for companies to uh, diversify its workforce and raise its wages is, is not going to solve systemic racism here now, the problem is that all of these suggestions exist within a capitalist system every every sort of solution uh, is um, made under the assumption that we will still be operating in a capitalist system and you might as well you know try to create an equitable society without getting rid of slavery it's the same problem where the the fundamental idea is at is completely diametrically opposed to what you're trying to do. There is. So, you know, talking about these other things that would do better to work against structural racism, there was yesterday a press release from Mayor Warren's office that announces an initiative to explore the implementation of reparations including possibly establishing universal basic income as well as a home ownership program in the city of Rochester. So, you know, these two dissenting voices are not unheard. Um, and it is actually, you know, it's an initiative to maybe start these things, but it is still being talked about. I don't think I've ever seen this kind of press release in the city of Rochester that says, hey, you know, um, so this in this one in particular is thinking about using potential uh, marijuana tax revenue from the legalization of recreational marijuana to put that money towards a universal basic income housing relief um, and possibly reparations for residents in the city of Rochester. That's really cool to see and something that like we can continue to follow in the next years probably that it'll be taking place yeah let's cover that press release mary thanks for bringing that up uh so you know we're talking about the race commission's report that's the commission to study racial disparity in monroe county in the city of rochester following the death of daniel prude or sorry following the killing of george floyd last summer this is evidence of design on 100.9 fm wxir in rochester Mayor Warren did release, a, you know, her administration did release a press release yesterday, Friday, March 26, 
that says that the city is going to explore using potential marijuana tax revenue and other funding to close the wealth gap for people of color in the city of Rochester uh, by establishing perhaps a universal basic income program as well as a home ownership program. They write, quote, the recent report by the Rays Commission made plain the stark realities that exist in our community and included a strong call for all of us to take action to address these historic inequities. Beyond changing policies and procedures, we must do more to close the wealth gap between black and brown people and our white neighbors. The impending legalization of marijuana in New York State presents us with a new opportunity to bring real resources to bear to uplift our families and improve not only their financial well-being, but their very future. So Mayor Warren is establishing the creation of a committee, another committee charged with reviewing existing universal basic income uh, programs that exist around the country and also uh, examining home ownership creation, you know, expansion to home ownership rates for people of color. And they're going to examine how this might work in Monroe County to establish a universal basic income program to address historic racial inequities. And of course, you know, she extends invitations to local nonprofits. So the ones who are actually making the decisions are not necessarily going to be people who are part of the city government, but people who are already doing this kind of work, which has certainly some pros and cons. So I I want the government <laughs> to do more stuff. <laughs> and I'm really happy that Mayor Warren seems to be using the power of the government to wonder how we can make universal basic income a reality for humans. Because universal basic income, we believe, makes sense. It should be a human right to have income in the United States today in a capitalist society. You cannot get by in society without having income. And therefore, you should have guaranteed income to get by in society. Period. End of story. And so Mayor Warren is proposing the creation of universal basic income. You know, the pessimistic side of me says that she's doing this because it's an election year and there have been growing groups in Monroe County that have endorsed her Democratic challenger, Malik Evans. And so the pessimistic part of me says she's really going for the moon here in election year to try to promise people universal basic income, given that she did endorse, for instance... (laughs) Mayor Michael Bloomberg for the presidency in 2020. Um, oh man, I forgot about that. The black man for yes. by police officers for five months, six months, and her alleged, if not seemingly um, actual, cover up of the death of Daniel Prude last year. So uh, Mayor Warren and and her federal indictment of uh, campaign finance violations. So, you know, Mayor Warren's in the hot seat this year. She faces a serious um, challenge. We're not going to go into that on the show, but uh, regardless, I'm happy to see the... uh, Happy to see false promises being made. (laughs) Happy to see movement towards universal basic income. And so, you know, the worry that I have is how many times in Rochester have we had commissions of people from all the leading nonprofits and the Farish Foundation and the Rochester Area Community Foundation... These, it's the they same. talk about it in this report. <laughs> They're they in this like, report. This is the this is the thousandth report on this project. Does anybody who worked on this? I really want to know. Does anybody who worked on this, who compiled this report, who did, who did any of the work, do they actually think any of this is going to come about? Are they right. sincere? I, I'm just. I am so tired in Rochester of having the same nonprofit and community foundation people at the same tables talking about the same issues. Don Braveman seemed to be chairing, the former president of Nazareth College, seemed to be the one chairing the job creation program. Don Braveman is the one who was unwilling to raise wages for workers. And many of the Armappies, um, because he's a, he's a member of Armappy too, Armappy's workforce groups over the past five years to fight poverty in Rochester. Like, I, I, do, who are, do these people actually genuinely believe that these things can be solved besides with empty words like let's come together and get to work and you know let's be nicer to people well we can also look at don braveman's record of being the president of nazareth college were those faculty members and staff members paid well right Hmm. yeah yeah so you know get I, i know this is grassroots radio and we are 
slandering other people without We're giving, just being sassy. Right. So, you know, you give us a call, 585-219-8889, or, or rock, uh, or we're on Radio EOD, Facebook and Twitter, or email us, radioeod at gmail.com. Again, 585-219-8889. I'm just, I'm frustrated because I care, and I'm frustrated because I just want people's lives to be better and don't see that happening in many ways as strong as it could be right and so that, that's why i'm frustrated and getting emotional because i just i don't want people to be emotional. taken advantage of hysterical i think yeah i'm just in hysterics right now and so i'm all for the establishment of universal basic income indeed i i finally uh, found the authors of the dissent it's daniel ponder and demond wilson sorry demond <laughs> only 20 minutes there for me i remember uh, your name <laughs> so both daniel ponder and demond wilson wrote a letter of dissent to to this um the, the race commission report they write that they respectfully dissent from the majority opinion that neglects to address the economic wealth gap between african-american families and their white counterparts as stated elsewhere in the report, the average black family's net worth is 10 times less than the average white family. 10 times less than the average white family. Increasing access to civil service jobs is not going to solve that. No, and I think people don't dissent often enough. So really, like, good for them for doing so. Because even looking at a report that is very progressive, it's... Mm-hmm. I think it's probably hard to look at that and say, oh, well, you know, we need to do more, but this is good for now. And I really respect them for just saying, no, you know, we need to do more, actually, and we can. Yeah. So they propose, uh, they propose establishing a, a community foundation, sort of like a community chest that would be led by people of color in Monroe County to... Um, establish home ownership, entrepreneurship, cover legal expenses, and promote economic security policies for people of color, such as by using funds raised from the legalization of marijuana, the reallocation of other tax revenues, and increasing taxes on some individuals. That that makes sense to me in terms of using the power of government through the collection of taxation, which is the purpose and the main primary arm of government to do that, right? Government exists to meet the needs and, 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 uh, of its people. And as long as we as a society, as long as our only solution as a society is to like wonder how to get the private sector to create more jobs for people, like literally, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely asking right now, how as a society do we create better paying jobs for more people? I'm genuinely asking that. I don't, don't have billionaires anymore. Like, right, like the, the, the answer that we're taught is that we need to have less regulation so hardworking men and women business people can follow their dreams, build capital and start businesses that create goods and services that people want so they can make profit and hire more workers to perpetuate the accumulation of profit. Here's the thing. There's enough wealth and resources in the world to make sure that nobody goes hungry, nobody doesn't have a, a place to stay, nobody doesn't have shelter or access to water or clothing. And the problem that we face in our society as it is constructed is that those resources are not divvied up fairly. Not even closely. The, and so coming at these problems like, oh, we just need to fix, we just need to put these Band-Aids, we just need to uh, you know, fix these problems within the system itself is never going to have, it's never going to work. Even if you somehow manage to create a more equitable society in Rochester, in Monroe County, in America, those costs would just be pushed on to some other people in some other country, in some other land. It's all based around exploitation. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, what we need to do is establish a society where people's basic needs will never go unmet. Because as Matt said, we already have the capability to do that literally materially and technologically we literally have the ability to have homes for every single person in this country we literally have the ability for every person in this country to have food on the table we literally have the ability for every person in this country to have health care we literally have the ability to provide reliable affordable and accessible access to transportation 
for every person in this country. We literally have the ability to provide a strong education to every person in this country. We have the ability to do that. It's not like we, we don't, we can't like figure out how to build homes, <laughs> you know, for people. Like we, we know how to do that. The problem is, is like we don't, the people who control the levers to doing those things, the incentive is all mixed up in terms of making profit and money and not meeting people's material needs. And so it's just that the people in power, the people who keep going to these commissions and reports and the same people just, I mean, I know they can't snap their figures themselves and do this, but you know who can? The government. That's why we have government. The government can do that. The, the government's job is to do that. Why do we have a society if not to ensure the betterment of everybody who is a part of it? Right. The government could literally tell people. The government could literally make laws. The government could literally make corporations do that. That's the point of government. But if the government doesn't do that, then it's like, hey, private sector, can you like somehow find it profitable to, um, you know, build homes for people? And then, and then it never happens. Right. We're relying simply on the goodwill of people who have been exploiting their workers for decades. Because there is no goodwill. We're in working. We're yeah. relying on the ingenuity. Yes. The ingenuity. It, it, it's That's lo- a nice buzzword, Matt. <laughs> I mean, th- there's no goodwill in capitalism insofar as like the logic is to make profit. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that we can never seek to make profit in, in society. I'm not I saying am. that. Like I'm saying that as long as that's the the logic, then it's not going to happen because homeless people aren't profitable because they don't have money to pay you. So why would you build homes for them if they're not going to pay you, right? So there has to be a different incentive structure to provide homes for people. That's not based on the logic of profit. And the government has the power to do that. The government has the power to give everyone universal basic income so that no one technically lives in poverty anymore. I'm not saying if you make $1 over the poverty line that you're not going to face hardship to meet your basic material needs. I am saying that it will literally make your life better by allowing you to get stuff to live your life. You know, if you have access to housing and healthcare and all that crap, then you can <laughs> go get an education. We have job training, people you know? <laughs> in this country aren't who are literally going without food. And then you have Jeff Bezos posting pictures on Instagram of himself eating an iguana. That's the, that's the country we live in. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's just eating the iguana so he can save good food for everyone else. No, he's rubbing it in. <laughs> he's like, I, I, I can have all the food I want and an iguana. <laughs> so anyways, I, I'm getting too testy here, but um, I, I, I just, I'm so frustrated hearing that the same players are at the table for these reports in Rochester. <laughs> I just... must have had 12 aneurysms just <laughs> struggling my way through the the pieces of this report that jason assigned to me last night <laughs> and it, it, you know to be fair it's all good right so it's all good in theory in that uh, we are only covering the job creation aspect of the support which again says we need to increase access to civil service jobs for people of color we need to increase the support for minority and women-owned businesses and we need to uh provide <laughs> better structures for equity and access to jobs in monroe county so I, I don't disagree with those things. There's lots of other things in the report that address housing inequities, criminal justice inequities, education inequities, so on and so forth, that when talking about structural racism, all of these things must come together because they are structural. So we are zooming in, and that might lead to an enhanced critique of a singular part when the problem is part of a a larger whole so i totally understand that i guess i just would like to see uh, more assertiveness when it comes to the power of government to meet the needs of its people because i think we have the ability to do that and uh, we've seen the power of the government both in a great way and in a lacking way throughout the covid19 pandemic where if the government wants to get a vaccine developed in one year it will do that and get it out to people. Yes. If the government wants to provide unemployment assistance so that people don't have to be evicted from their homes, it can do that. And so the government has a tremendous power when it's run by competent people to make people's lives better. It's amazing when it does that, right? We've also seen how the government can really screw up people's lives. 
when it doesn't take seriously the threat of a virus, when it doesn't use its resources to force the production of certain goods and services that are needed by its people, and when it doesn't implement laws and policies and practices that meet the material needs of its people and indeed expand material inequity amongst its people and promote policies such as redlining to its neighbors, which is why we have such concentrated poverty in Rochester. So the government can be a tremendous force of good and it can be a tremendous force for harm. I do not believe that the government's main force of harm comes from it being small. Or excuse me, I do not believe that uh, the government's main force of harm is that it's too big. And so, you know, conservatives would argue we make society better by shrinking government. I argue precisely the opposite. We make society better by making it larger, but that doesn't magically solve anything. It has to be staffed and run by competent people. It has to be staffed and run by people who are actually interested in the material interests of the people they represent. Right. And people who believe in the power of government. You know, you have the Trump, the Trump administration in many ways. And the people they represent being the, the majority of people who live in this country, not the wealthy interest groups and corporations. Right. You know, you had the Trump administration's staff. The, the government was very powerful in the Trump administration in many ways, but it was staffed by people who didn't believe in the power of government to, to benefit most of people. So, uh, you know, we, we have to get to a better place of using the power of government better in this country. We probably should take a very short break, though, on evidence of design on 100.9 FM, WXIR, and Rochester. We'll take a very short break, get back to the last points on the Rays Commission report that was released this week, and then cover... One other aspect of taxation that could help to uh, make the power of government meet the needs of its people better, you can get in touch with us, 585-219-8889. We'll be right back. Hang on. Ping Pong by Stereolab. And this is Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. I was just thinking how excited I'm going to be to quit my job once there's universal basic income established so that I can just, you know. Play video games on there? <laughs> the moment that's Become in a, place. A, an Xbox Live achievement billionaire. Because <laughs> we all know that that's what everyone's going to do is quit their jobs <laughs> if they're lucky enough to have one. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> that's totally what's going to happen. Um, so, of course, joking here. I'm not. <laughs> Folks, we were covering the... Commission on Racial and Structural Equity, City and County Joint Venture to write a 300-page comprehensive report on how local laws, policies, and practices could be changed to help to address structural racism and structural inequities in Monroe County. You can read the report for yourself at rockrace.com. That's R-O-C-R-A-S-E dot com. And we were discussing specifically the job creation section of the report, noting that while we don't really disagree with the proposals set forth, because they, yeah, they would probably help folks if we got rid of, for example, a, uh, if we got rid of, for example, uh, the fees for civil service tests, if we targeted recruitment for civil service exams to underrepresented populations, if we removed criminal history and drug history barriers for many jobs, that would allow more people to not be disqualified for jobs for reasons that perhaps don't need to be disqualifying for. You know, if we provided more resources for the creation of minority women uh, business enterprises, you know, established a certification program, gave more access to capital to the establishment of minority-owned businesses. And if we worked to um, change hiring models to give greater access to jobs here in Monroe County. For example, instead of having uh, things like uh, asking people if they have a federal offense at the first part of the job, you could sort of do the ban the box thing that the city did. And so the county could also do ban the box, meaning employers can ask job applicants if they have a federal, uh, what's it called? What's the, not a federal Felony. Ah, there's yeah. the word. Felony they have a, charges. A felony charges. Then, um, background check. Right. Then, you know, they can still ask that, but not at the very first stage in the employment process. So maybe after they've interviewed them or something. We could do that. Uh, we could also pass pay transparency laws. This was perhaps the most interesting thing I saw from this section, which was to uh, pass a law to make it so that everyone's compensation at a company would have to be public 
uh, at least this is for public companies, you know, this is encouraging for private companies, um, so that we can see if there's wage disparities between <clears throat> women and men or white employees and black or brown employees. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Actually, I just as a side note, one of the things I really appreciate about the city's employment page is that they often, well, they always list the salary range that you can expect when you apply right. for a job in the city. And I have not seen that anywhere else. And I mean, mostly it's because they're set. Like a lot of the jobs are union related. So they are set salary ranges. But so often you go into an interview having absolutely no idea what you can expect to be paid. Right. And that changes so many things if you at least have an idea. Thanks, private sector. Yeah, I mean, a big reason for that, Mary, is these are tend to be civil service public sector jobs, which yeah. are transparent. You can look up any single per individual person's pay in the city of Rochester right now. It's in the budget. You know, it lists every single person and what they're paid. You can look it up right now. And so we can look up what any teacher makes right now because they're public sector jobs. So the public sector has that accountability. The private sector does not. And uh, it'd be great, I think, if we had more transparency in that regard. Yeah, I agree. I do have a quick question because I didn't get a chance to read this part of the report. I'm just wondering if in the section where they talked about, you know, uh, growing businesses for women in particular, if there was any mention of uh, child care. Uh, I don't remember seeing that. So the job creation section cited the business development section in particular about the minority and women owned business enterprises uh, because the MWBE was really covered in the business section talking about a certification program and increased access to capital to those folks. So I don't remember seeing anything specific about Child Care Mary, but I think the report did acknowledge that a big barrier to job accessibility for many folks are things such as transportation, child care, education, and minimum requirements. I'm not sure how what they said to go about to solve those things, but they at least acknowledge them as issues. Right. Well, I'm glad that they acknowledged them, but I, I was thinking, you know, you can do all you want to give people money to start businesses, but if, as, as long as those barriers are still in place, they're still not going to be able to. Right. Yeah. So, you know, childcare being a, a huge barrier in terms of it's very costly and also you need transportation to get to someone to, to, to provide childcare and, and whatnot. Yeah. And there's very limited support for it right so the uh, i am the community survey that they did the community survey the 25 question survey where they got 178 people to respond yeah well, <laughs> well <laughs> yeah i was That's talking like, to mary for a long time yesterday and my this first... show does not have any listeners and yet the last time we had a survey we managed to get like over 30 responses <laughs> like, what are these people doing <laughs> So I was talking with Mary. Come on. We have at least two listeners, Matt. Yeah. I was talking with Mary yesterday, expressing my frustration in life right now, where I, I am lucky to uh, be employed and have hobbies where I tend to want to increase engagement of people. And engagement is a terrible buzzword, but meaning, you know, steer people in a direction that would I think be mutually beneficial to whatever the cause or institution is or themselves. So how to get people to go in a direction that'll help either themselves or everyone mutually. Or in, in short terms, how do you get people to show up? Yep. How do you get people to show up? How do you get people to do something you want them to do? Uh, it's hard to do. And how do you manipulate people? Yeah. I mean, so, so here's the thing in, in, in modern, I don't want to get off a tangent here, but here's the thing in modern society is that all it feels like in modern society is our attention. We're constantly being marketed to use our limited time for something, right? Read this article, click on this link, watch this ad, buy this product, or show up to this nonprofit's workshop, show up to this nonprofit's event, show up to this nonprofit's um, community thing, right? There's an endless stream of things you could do with your life, especially here in Rochester. Where on every single day, 365 days a year, there is a nonprofit doing something, you know, come to this event, come to this thing. Oh, if you're a parent in a school, go to this event, go to this thing. Y you could have a full-time job going to things, 
And I don't know how much of you going to those things would change <laughs> structures in life, right? And, and should it be your job to have to show up to countless meetings after meetings after meetings? I don't know. That's what I think about all the time. And so when it comes to like, you know, getting 170 responses to a survey, maybe people are bored or <laughs> burn out of taking surveys for, for commissions that don't seem to. <laughs> maybe because we've done this a million times before and nothing ever changes. Nobody expects anything to happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think I, I don't know. That's why I was genuinely asking earlier, like, what? How do you make jobs? You know, do we expect anything to happen in life anymore? I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if we expect anything to actually change in our lives. Uh, maybe that's just my pessimism speaking, but I, I, I would imagine other people feel, you know, some people would feel equally as. Um, you know, as ambivalent about what happens around them. And it's up to the government, I think, to reestablish trust and show force to make people's lives better. And that would then, I think, increase engagement. It's up to the government to make that stuff happen. And we can certainly support that by supporting the government and responsible, uh, you know, governing people, voting in the right people, transparency, accountability, all that stuff, the citizens in a democracy, we can certainly play a part. But, um, God, there's a lot of commissions and reports out there. Yeah, and uh, not only can we play a part, but just, you know, we are part of government. The yeah. government is made up of us. We can play as large or as small of a part as we want and are able, and at the very minimum, we should vote and make sure to support that everyone has that right as well. Right. Yeah, Matt, it was funny. I was looking at that too. There's like what? There's 780,000 people in Monroe County, and they got 170 people to respond to a survey. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, does it, but the, here's the thing does it matter what those people said in the survey? You know, does it actually matter if, if all. If, Are they going to do anything about it? Right. If, if they got 1,000 people to respond to the survey and all of them said they want a stronger government, <laughs> would it matter? I don't know. You know, how many times do you just. How, how can we revise corporate language to make it more inclusive to people of every race and gender? <laughs> Does any of it matter? I have no idea. So I, I don't mean to end the show on this pessimistic point, but it's just so funny, especially in this community where, like, there's so often so little turnout for some events and things that, like, if you get three people to show up for a meeting or something or three people to respond to a survey, you're like, well, pe the people said, you know, like using those three people as, like, community says it's like it's you're just throwing crap at a wall and just picking something to go with but no, no i'm getting off topic here just uh god very very frustrating i am encouraged though to hear the mayor announce that they're exploring a universal basic income program i think that is really great and i also think that many of the proposals in this raise report are helpful as well uh you can read the report for yourself at rockrace.com. That's R-O-C-R-A-S-E.com. We got to get going, though, on evidence of design on 100.9 FM, WXIR in Rochester. You can find our past episodes as a, available as a podcast anywhere you get your podcast. We're also on YouTube by searching for our evidence of design YouTube channel. I was your host, Jason Taylor, joined by my good friends and co-hosts, Matt Treadwell. See ya. And Mary Lawrence. Be well. Thank you to WXIR for providing this grassroots community platform for the, these types of discussions. Thank you for tuning in as well. Until next time, be well, be safe, take care, and bye-bye.